You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So this week, we are going to take a little bit of a tangent and talk spiritual fitness, or maybe the best way to put it is exercise for your soul, because it's not really religious per se, but more about letting go of the stuff that's holding us back and finding a real purpose and passion for the second half of our life here during menopause and midlife. And I really loved this conversation. It's with a colleague of mine from way back in the day, Anne Alexander, who was one of my first editors at Prevention Magazine. She is also the author of two New York Times bestsellers. She's the former editorial director at National Geographic and a longtime yogi. I could go on and on. And well, after a series of what Lisa Hess would call life quakes, including losing her high power job, her marriage disintegrating, a bunch of other stuff, Anne ended up becoming an interfaith minister, which honestly floored me when she emailed me and told me what she was up to. And she started this business called Soul Candy, where she brings together her decades of training in yoga and now the depth of ancient spiritual wisdom traditions that she's been learning and studying and practicing as an interfaith minister to help people find peace and discover their purpose and to experience their power, especially at midlife. And she came in and met with our Level Up membership, and she took us through some of her exercises, and I thought, man, I have to have her on the show. And so I did, and we got into all of it how we can end up getting stuck and dissatisfied at this time of life, what that's all about, and how to set ourselves free. And it left me with a whole lot to think about, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I do just want to note that since Anne is an interfaith minister, we dive into some traditional cultures throughout this episode. And I wanted to just make it clear that we are talking about how other cultures view menopause and midlife. And when we're talking about that, Anne is specifically pulling this through a traditional lens as a world religion scholar. So it's a lot of 10,000 foot view stuff. And the conversation is obviously coming from two American white women. And I just want to acknowledge that. And we just want to realize that this does not reflect all the people living in the places that we're talking about right now. And that was never the intent. It's more about if you wanted to pull the best ideas from the traditions around the world and try to see menopause through those specific lenses, what that would look like. And man, there are so many better ways to look at midlife and menopause than we tend to do in our culture right now. So that's the point of all of this. I, It is really a lot to think about. And man, if I'm ever queen of the world, shit will be different. Anyway, before we get to it, as always, check us out and give us a follow at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. Sign up for my free weekly newsletter at feistymenopause.com. While you are there, check out our Level Up membership where we have sessions with experts like Anne and others, and we also offer sponsor discounts. And thanks again for all the five-star reviews and the nice uh, things that you're saying about the podcast on Spotify and Apple. I really appreciate it. And it definitely helps the show to continue to grow as we go into our, can you believe it, fourth year. All right. Very quickly before we get into it, quick thanks to Cool Jams for their continued support. Their wicking temperature regulating PJs are so soft and comfy that I think they're actually helping like lull me into sleep faster when I get into the covers, which is awesome, except I feel like I'm never going to get through my latest book because I keep drifting off like two pages in, but that's a good problem to have. So thanks, Cool Jam, for your support. You can click the link in the show notes and use the code HITPLAY, all caps, one word, to get 15% off all Cool Jam's products today. All right, enough of me. Let's have a few words about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause, 
Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, plus even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. Okay, Anne. Well, we just like caught up on our lives for about 15 minutes since we're all warmed up. Uh, for those who don't know, Anne Alexander is, we go way, way back. I met you when I was in my late 20s, you know, just getting my feet wet into this whole publishing thing. And I thought you were so cool and established in the whole publishing thing. So I'm really psyched that you're here and talking to us about something um you know, back then I might have had a glimmer. You were very into complementary medicine, I remember, and sort of yeah. already looking at other, uh, how other people viewed health and how other people viewed, you know, around the world. I remember that about you very well. And I thought, wow, that's cool. That's a, that's such a nice thing to bring to a, a magazine like Prevention. And I thought that it expanded the audience so well. So I'm interested in doing the same thing here you know, expanding our exercise, fitness, we'll get into all of that into this more spiritual soul realm, if you will. But before we start, how did you make this move yourself? Oh, well, you know, I think in some ways, I didn't make it voluntarily, you know, so yeah, you're right, going way back in the day, I have been, you know, really interested in looking at things from like different perspectives. So yeah, I mean, complementary medicine, alternative health, you know, what's the mind body connection, you know, all of that stuff. Um, you know, so that's kind of been like a side pursuit, you know, going to like, you know, a new age health spa and doing like a, you know, a, like a, one of those heat lodges, or I was actually sent for a story to do past life regressions for a week and just sort of playing with that tension between I think this is like complete hogwash versus like, okay, well, what is actually, what is, what, what can I learn from this experience, you know, and just kind of playing with that tension between, I don't know what to think, but I'm allowing myself to think I'm allowing myself to have the experience and, and just kind of see an experiment. So you know, that's always kind of just been a part of what interests me and kind of like what's on that frontier? What are we not talking about um, yet? So that's always been really interesting, but actually really kind of getting into this spiritual realm. You know, there's a beautiful book. It's called Richard Rohr Falling Upward. And he talks about this entry point into the second half of life. And that for some people, it literally, it comes with a crash. And so you and I knew each other at Rodale, like the first time and the second time. And so, you know, I was in the mode of like big job, big money, big prestige, you know, top of my game. I'd written two New York Times bestselling books. On the Today and, Show. And the Today Show. I was regular on the Today Show. I mean, the whole nine yards, right? And yet internally, my compass was off. Like I knew something wasn't quite right. And like, I wasn't happy. It wasn't, this wasn't the thing. This was like, I was in this state of discomfort. And, and then I got let go. You know, Rodale was going through its, you know, machinations. And I was in the very first wave. I was, it, it was eight days before Christmas. Didn't see it coming. I'm usually like the turnaround special. I come in 
and let people go. I come in and turn things around. Like that's my, that was my job. That's what I did. And I loved it. I love bringing kind of out of control businesses back to how do you serve the customer? How do you, how do you bring this thing back to center? And so to let, to be let go at the top of my game, like was so, it was so hard. And so I felt, you know, humiliated and all of the things that people feel and I had just gotten a divorce and I had had a car accident. So all of the measures of control that I could count on money, um, marriage, literally putting your foot on the gas and the brake and having the car stop. It was like everything was literally skidding. So, you know, old me would have been like, well, let me just pack it in, go back to Washington. I'm going to go back to National Geographic. Uh, da, 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 da. And I felt like, you know, my life is what, the, you know, like, you know, when you fall down on a ski hill and it's called a yard sale because your shit is like all over the <laughs> They do that on bikes too. We yard right? sale on our bicycles too. <laughs> it, my life was a yard sale. And and I just was like, something's got to give here. You know, and I still, I was divorced. I still had to pay, you know, I had to pay the mortgage and, you know, I had to take care of three kids and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I kind of went into this whole spiritual realm kicking and screaming. And, um, you know, and it, it's, it, you know, it's like life just throws you so many fucking marbles and like you, you, you can't get upright. You just can't. And you're just all over the map. And so I decided that I was going to just kind of figure this out. So I went to, con- you know, I started consulting just to pay the bills so I could have like time and it, my, my life just literally fell apart. And so I kind of got into it that way and started doing a lot of deep reading a lot of deep meditation. I'd always been practicing yoga. I'd practiced yoga for 20 years. I've done meditation for 30 years. And I just, something kept calling to me to say, this, this, I need to pay attention to this. I need to figure this out. And I just started thrashing. So it's been this kind of evolution. And then eventually, um, you know, I sort of started to feel like I had my found my footing and I went to seminary school. So I've actually been actively studying spirituality. Um, you know, I got ordained as a minister, I guess, a year and a half ago. Um, but it's been always in the back of my mind and kind of more and more at the forefront of my mind. So that's a really long introduction. But I think in some ways it kind of, it's it's just really honest. And I think it explains in some ways where a lot of us are at this sort of midpoint in our lives, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely does. And and just as a, because it's a little hole that I feel like is we can fill because it's, it's also important for this audience is that you were also, um, you were a cyclist when I met you and you also told me you did crew. Like what is your sort of like physical life look like? Oh, that's such a sweet question. You know, my physical life has always, thank God, been um, just, you know, pretty like, I, I mean, I look at you and you're like the ultimate hardcore. So like, you know, I got, I've got to like, you know, there's, there's, there's like stages and sort of grandeur that I don't, you know, like, like I, those are stages I don't stand on, but, you know, in high school, I was, you know, I mean, this is going way back. I was varsity rower. I was a varsity rower in college. Um, you know, I've always, I, I was, I've been a runner when I was cycling. I took, um, I was at Vogue and then I decided to quit my job and I took a bike trip around Europe. And so when I came back, my thighs were like Christmas hams. And then I was like, I'm going to get into racing. And so I did like, you know, whatever it is, um, amateur racing. I was in Central Park. And so there's like a Central Park team there. And it was just, you know, it was fun. So I did cycling, competitive cycling for a while, just, you know, at a really like, you know, whatever level, um, not compat- like not like paid for or sponsored or anything, just fun weekend stuff. And then, and then, you know, and long distance cycling, long distance, everything. And then when I had kids in, um, my son was born in London, my daughters have twins, they were born in Warsaw, Poland. And I was married at the time. And my now ex-husband worked all the time. So any sort of opportunity to get out and take a run, take a, you know, do, you know, take, go for a long bike ride, it was just nil. So I got really into yoga because it was something I could do and not leave the kids home alone. And so I just started, I started a yoga practice and got really pretty serious about it. Um, and if you know, like different schools of yoga, um, there's something called Iyengar, which is pretty hardcore, 
Yeah. And so that's what I taught. That's what I learned in Poland. That's what I practiced, you know, went to school or, you know, classes um, at Unity Woods down in Washington, D.C., and which is like, you know, top ranked. So, I mean, my my sort of affair, if you will, with um, with physical health and exercise and sports is is pretty intense. Like right now, I'm I, you know, I taught I teach yoga. I'm a yoga instructor, um, teach meditation, you know, so I'm just like, you know, I take it seriously. You know, and I just, I love it. Not because I'm like competitive. I have to work against my competitiveness. You know, you have to like stay on your mat and that's always hard <laughs> for me. Um, but anyway, so no, I'm, I'm, I love, I love all that. I love all that still. Excellent. My goal is to be, I want to be one of those little ladies who can stand on her head. Oh, I, I'm sure you will. I have all the faith. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still working on it. <laughs> As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tifosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F and capital M, like feisty menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. That brings us, I think, very neatly to where I'd like to sort of open the door on this conversation of soul work in this audience. You know, we we talk a lot about hormones. We talk a lot about like the collision of menopause with midlife and sort of psychologically and physically what this what this does. You know, I I hear from a lot of women who, you know, they've been very competitive and they've always done, you know, whatever their sport is in a certain way. And they hit this place where all of a sudden they feel like they've lost their mojo or their motivation or it's not doing it for them anymore. And, you know, they they often start beating themselves up and they feel bad and then they want to quit, but then they feel bad about that. And yeah, you know, hormones certainly, and I, I've done whole shows on it. Hormones have an impact on that. And that is 100% true. I've also had the sensation within myself that there's um, something else at work there that, you know, for myself, when I hit that point, I did not necessarily quit sport, but I took a step to the side and did started doing my sport in other ways while I was trying to figure out why the ground was moving underneath me and and get solid footing again. And it was really just this calling to a higher purpose outside of podiums for myself. You know, I mean, that yes. that is that is what it was just so strong. And I'm like, 
does this mean I'm just like just giving up? Am I just being like, is this just an excuse? Am I just making excuses because I'm not so fast? And like, and it really, I mean, when I when I listened, it was just like, no, <laughs> you know, that's that, that's not true. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, this thing that happens. Oh my God, you said it so beautifully. Your calling was to a higher purpose than podiums. Like that's it. Like that is exactly it. And you know, the thing is like in our culture, we just don't talk about it. And I think because we have such a consumer centric culture, it's like we're buying, buying, buying things. And then like we've now made aging this horrifying thing. Oh my God, you know, you don't want to age. Let's sell products around anti-aging. And so we're kind of on this like, you know, Lucille Ball in the chocolate factory thing where it's like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, don't, don't go into the thing, you know? And it's like, that is so unnatural. So when you look at like different cultures, they understand, or they have accepted that this is this natural transition that, and I'm going to talk about women specifically go through. So if you look at like ancient Chinese philosophy, you know, understanding spirituals and the Chinese call this period of life, the second spring, which is such a different way to frame things because what they talk about, it's so beautiful. Like we have, you know, they talk about blood as this, like more than just like the, you know, the blood that's in our veins, right? The blood is like our life force. So that's how it's, you know, understood according to Chinese philosophy. And for women, when we're at this kind of, you know, like early, you know, childbearing years, we are, the blood is going to our uterus and it's going out into the world. We are building, creating, making. And that as we hit this age, whether it's in your forties or your fifties or your sixties, whatever it is, because again, it's not physical blood. It's not just like menstruation. Um, The blood doesn't go to the uterus the same way anymore. The blood goes to what's called, you know, your heart, which is the home of what they call your Shen. And your Shen is your spirit. So what is nourishing you is no longer producing, creating, having children, you know, those kinds of things, which isn't to say life is only about having children, but it's a different, the, the, the life force energy, it's no longer directed outward. It's now directed inward in this nourishing heart centric way. So when you talk about that higher purpose beyond podiums, that's exactly it because the podium is kind of representing these external goals and this achievement, which is all, you know, fabulous. And it doesn't mean you can't achieve and be on podiums in your later life, but the priority shifts and it's a very natural shifting. And what's, what's very, very disorienting about it is that it's like, you're suddenly, you're going from an externally driven world of like, I want this, I want the job, I want the money, I want the house, I want the car, I want the bank account, I want, I want, I want, I want, which is all natural. I mean, you look at the Hindu, you know, Hinduism is the same thing. They have the same sort of philosophy, which is you go from a householder phase, which is all about acquiring to what they call the forest dweller phase, which is about winnowing down your things, going off, secluding yourself, and really focusing on what is central and what is internal. And the thing is, finding that internal takes time. And it is a completely different way to navigate life. So you sound like you have you know, manage this transition beautifully and intuitively and to be able to recognize not podiums, more higher purpose. God bless you for arriving there because so many people don't. It's like, and and I think for highly competitive achievement oriented people, it is incredibly disoriented or disorienting because you're no longer navigating with you, you know, your like your physical eyes, these outside achievements, these hallmarks of success, you know, all of these things, they're still lustrous and alluring and attractive. And we want bank accounts and we want cars that work and we want a house that keeps the rain out. I mean, we still want the, you know, some of the trappings of like real life, you know, non-forest dweller, we're not living in caves, but the metric becomes incredibly different. And that ability to both tune out and tune in that is that's that critical juncture and we don't talk about that in this culture i mean a couple of people do i've mentioned richard Rohr, 
gorgeous book. Um, some people have really tuned into the poetry of David White. It's a beautiful um, work that you can listen on Audible. It's like, what's it called? It's Midlight and the Great Unknown. And he begins with this beautiful quote from um, Dante. And it's, it's in the middle of the road of my life, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I fell into a great unknown where the way was utterly lost. And that's exactly it. And we're talking like Dante was no shrinking violet. I mean, these are people who are highly attuned. So I feel like for your audience, this would be especially discomforting, disorienting. Like, like, like it's like, these are people who are used to, you know, getting what they want and having guideposts that say, well, this is, you know, you want to be X, you do Y. You want to get this, you do that. And suddenly, like the, well, what do I want is different. And the, how do I get there is different. And nobody's really talking about it. So it's it's an extremely confusing time, you know? And then, and then, as you said, there's like, well, do I give up? Well, nobody wants to just give up, right? And then you keep banging at it. And that's like, doesn't feel satisfying either, you know, because you may keep achieving, but how satisfying is that? And it's really because your internal compass has completely changed. And that's a natural part of, of, of why we're here. It's actually, this is actually the invitation to why we are here, because you move away from external achievement again, which is this necessary part of life to this internal, like, okay, got it. Now, 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 now you're really focusing on, you know, what the Chinese would call like that Shen heart work or what I would call your soul work. So getting to that, that's the beginning of this, this next new adventure, if you will. I love everything you just said. And, and I, I, I appreciate the, um, the appreciation that you gave me for working through this, I will say it was not without tears, self-pity, oh. you know, all the, all the angst, all the, I mean, there was plenty of that. There were plenty of times I'd be on a hill that I used to be able to fly up and like literally crying, you know, just like, what is how Like what? Oh, when I got laid off yeah. in Rodale, I felt like a big tree that had fallen over in the forest. And I, I didn't have a clue how to get back up. And it was like everything that I had counted on, like, and even then, even when I could sort of envision myself propped back up, well, okay, I could go get this big job and this money and da, 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 da. It's like, somehow it didn't fit right. Like I, I, I thought about wearing those clothes and even though the <laughs> external would have been right, the external, the internal didn't feel right, you know, and dragging three kids to go do that sound really, really stupid. It's funny you say that because I was just, I was very parallel to that. You know, I, I did find ways to change my training, like do the physical things, right? To change my training and make adjustments that, you know, I'm not going to get stronger and faster until you put me, you know, cremate me and throw me into the wind. But I am, um, but I was able to sort of feel like myself again and make, you know, get get my ground again in that physical sense. Um, but then I still didn't have that part, you know, it's still like, okay, well, that's great. But like, it's, I stood on another podium at like 50 and I was just like, okay, that just still wasn't as satisfying as I want it to be. Um, so I took a step parallel again and kept, kept going, started this podcast, started thinking, started just sort of exploring, like, what is this all about? Like, why do I want to continue to go to events? And I didn't want to stop racing, but I wanted to stop being so competitively driven so it really just became and it was just an evolution it wasn't like a light bulb at any moment but it was a slow evolution of I want to do this because it's a celebration that I can and I want to make this vessel as strong as I can so my spirit can soar and that is really like when I did the half Ironman you know everyone's like why are you doing this I'm like I'm just drawn to it because I love how I feel when I feel like I can and mm -hmm that and that just and it made that that even though I didn't stand on a podium there and I had no aspiration to 
it was such a joy. The whole thing was so joyful. The training was joyful. The experience was so joyful. I got to the end and I, you know, people like, how did it go? And I know that they wanted me to tell them my times and I didn't even know them. I did have a really great bike split. I will tell you that like the bike, I was like, okay, I flew on the bike and I feel really happy about that. And that's okay. But like the rest of it, I was like, I, I, where did I come in? I'm not really sure, you know, cause it was just such a, it wasn't about that. I achieved so many things that I wanted to achieve um, along the process and in the completion of it, that it was enormously satisfying. And I'm like, yeah. And it's and now that I am, I'm, I've understood like what the why is for the physical stuff, and I'm doing that sort of like other purpose work. It just opens up all these possibilities of connecting that physical part of myself, which is which is integral to who I am. I'm happiest when I'm in motion. But like putting it towards that other stuff that I was sort of just leaving behind before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. You know, that reminds me. I'm so I'm like a walking library. Um, there is a beautiful book called Let Your Life Speak, which is by Parker Palmer. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Listening for the Voice of Vocation. And it's kind of it's so interesting because what you're saying is. You've, you've arrived at this place through this kind of difficult stumbling where like different aspects of your life are now actually integrated, you know? So you've had the things that you sort of had put aside and like focus on the physical, but it was still part of you. So it's now like in this kind of integrated kind of giving forth kind of way. It's so, it's so interesting because oftentimes, again, first half of life, we think it's about like, what am I going to do with this life? What am I going to do? How am I going to commandeer it and make me and it? And we're going to like, you know, force a like a like leading the charge. And it is, I mean, this is what we're doing. Like I'm not putting it down. I make fun of it just because I like to kind of be able to objectify it and say, well, oh, yes, this is what I'm doing. But actually, as you as you sort of approach this midpoint, it's really asking the question, what is the life that wants to live through me? You know, and what you're describing is like this beautiful physicality and also this like sharing, this creating community, which you do through your podcast of helping empower women and opening up doors and creating this ability to be open and honest and real and kind of allow not just yourself to go through this learning process, but allow like lots of other women to share along with you. And that's really, I mean, that's like amazingly beautiful, right? Because you think about what you were doing at Rodale with writing books, it's very similar, but both were solitary. Like you had your sport life, it seemed, and you had your like writing books life. And now it's like you've melded those in this sort of more communal kind of way. Anyway. Oh yeah. And even the books, like my life was always kind of nicely. Once I started working for bicycling, it was nicely married, but like the books I wrote were like, get fast. <laughs> you know, like, like, it was very, very oriented towards a very specific thing. Um, right. The, right. the, the, and I've always been like, I've always been kind of actually, to be honest. Um, and maybe that's why I didn't. Ooh, I haven't really thought about that. Maybe that's why I, didn't meld those worlds quite as much because I've I I can be kind of existential and nihilistic sometimes like what is this all about we're all going to be dead in 100 years you know like I mean if I let myself go there it just it goes there in bad ways you know so um it like keeping that sort of at bay probably was good for my head <laughs> in a number of ways um right yeah you know that's interesting, interesting. I'm gonna wonder out loud if that would be a door you'd ever want to open, you know what I mean? And just allow yourself to explore it for a little while and see what happens. What door am I opening? Like the nihilistic door, like the we're all going to die door, because, you know, it's, it's just interesting when you go into like, I mean, in my experience is that when you go into kind of deep meditation or even like deep yoga, you know, they, and it's like, is this a physiological thing? Is this a spiritual thing? But you know, you get to that place, there's a certain part of your brain and a certain chemical that's released that creates this feeling of oneness. So people debate, is this is this spiritual? Are you really communicating with God? And is that like right. is true? Or is this a chemical reaction? But it's a very pleasant feeling, you know, that and it's very reassuring feeling that you sort of 
may sense i'm sorry i don't mean to like dime story oh no 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 you're talking no 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 you're talking and i'm thinking you don't know that i open that door every morning in my life when i walk the dog i open that door like i am in that i'm through that doors and the problem with that door is that i like to know things and like i like so you know sort of with the Catholic part that is sort of lapsed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe I'm going to hell and that's not a door I don't I want to open. And I talk to God. I'm like, I'm sorry for everything that maybe would send me to, you know, like I, it, I'm i a tortured soul in many ways because of that. Like, I want to believe in this, this goodness of the universe and like being one and I'm all into the stars and the, like I metaphysical kind of like, I'm all into it. And then I get to that point. I'm like, what if it's terrible on the other side? And then I get really scared, you know, like, and there's a lot of horrible shit in this world. I'm like, what if we're already in hell? I don't know. Many people are. And this podcast could go off the rails. I know, I know, I know. So, <laughs> I know. Well, you know what I, you know what I take great heart in is like a lot of the, um, near-death experiences that people have had Mm. and it's so interesting when you when you really sort of look into them and there are people who've studied them and there are these really interesting parallels between you know recorded near-death experiences how similar they are and how peaceful they are and almost to a one people who've had near-death experiences say it's much like their experience is much better like like that they have this sense of peace and they almost want to go there and it's like well I feel you know anyway so yeah this podcast could keep going on but I think that, <laughs> three hours later yeah right exactly three hours later we you know you're finally saying hallelujah <laughs> anyway sorry no that's the, I think this is all I, this is all great. And I, and I appreciate you. And I appreciate the, you know, because I, I'm not, I know I'm not alone in this. You know, we, you, you were with our membership and there were people saying the same thing. They're just like, I don't know. I'm kind of lost. I'm fumbling. I think I, I like, I, I'm, you know, they're just, they're trying, but it's, it, there's a well, lot. I of- think we've done a, tr- I think we're living in a really awkward time because what's happening, this is my two cents on what's happening is that you know, naturally people are coming of age where this sort of first half, second half of life transition is happening. Right. And there are people who never sense it. I mean, they're, you know, whatever. So let's just park that. There are people who are completely oblivious of it and happily so, but there are people who arrive at this place where, where sort of the old no longer fits and they don't know what the new is. And so, you know, and I, I would expect your audience who's highly attuned and highly aware of what's going on, you know, inside them, outside of them, around them. I would expect, I, I you know, I'm not surprised that people were so open and feeling like that sense of cluelessness and confusion or atrophy, or I feel kind of good when I attend a church, maybe sort of, but I don't really know. Like that, that sense of like, you know, just confusion and disorientation is so natural. So you've got that, right? So you've got all these people kind of entering this kind of age gap where this is a natural occurrence. And yet we don't have a lot of language around it. What we have is sort of like, you know, religion, which has really become kind of like the rules and the regs. You got to believe this. You got to do this. And you also have a lot of schools of different faith schools or different churches these days, which are very divisive, you know, preaching things, which intuitively you kind of think, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would God make that person a bad person and this person a good person? Or like, oh, it just doesn't make sense. So this is where I'm, this is where I feel a slight calling, which is something that I'm calling spiritual DIY, which is discover intimately for yourself like like you have to sort of go inward to start to sort of say oh let me see what do I actually believe so that you're not engaging in this sort of group think or looking at the group thinking say well that's not for me or you're looking at this thing and say well they're telling me what to believe but I don't really believe that so you're in this rock and a hard place like so your life is sort of navigating the sh- and shifting underneath you and yet the sources which you would maybe normally go to for this kind of spiritual woo-woo, what's happening, there's another thing happening here that doesn't seem like what's always really been happening. Those sources don't seem like they're very receptive and encouraging or open. It's kind of like, okay, well, check the box. This is what you got to believe. This is what you got to do. This is, And 
you know, that just doesn't appeal to certain, you know, to, to a lot of folks. So we wind up with this spiritual, but not religious or spirit. Mm. I think of people as spiritually curious. They're like, well, what is this thing that's happening inside? And so, you know, you look at like faith traditions through millennium and they're all saying the same thing, yep. which is go within step one. So well, step one is wake up, like wake up to the fact that there is this disorientation happening. The old ways don't feel like, you know, those are really kind of doing it for you anymore. So that's like, you know, that's why we're in this conversation. But then step one is go in. I mean, I sort of think about, I think in terms of get going, right? So go in is step one It's go in is where you create that time for yourself. And you're saying you do this in the morning when you're walking. And some of the people in our, you know, your membership group were saying they do it when they're walking or they do it when they're practicing their yoga. And I think, you know, absolutely positively 100% if I can say one thing that I so strongly firmly believe in is is having that quiet time for yourself because the thing is we're talking about you get into this kind of esoteric thing like what is spirit is there a spirit this essence of who you are this sort of quiet voice from within that people have talked about again for thousands of years requires a certain quiet so it's quieting the body quieting the mind and turning inward and it doesn't happen quickly you know we want you know we want to go to the atm and be like well i'm putting in my quiet time i want my answer and that's not the way it works you know there are so many layers i think of it as almost like you're literally shifting your the your your um center of gravity so you're shifting your center of gravity from kind of like an external you know metric to an internal metric. And that takes time. And it also takes time to kind of, I, and again, I love metaphors. So for me, the metaphor is like, if you think about an oyster, right? And you think about an oyster that has a pearl inside, but on the outside of the oyster are all of these sharp, crusty layers that have taken years to build up. And they're there because people have told you things, churches have told you things, you got to believe, you got to do this, and you're bad, and you're a sinner, and you're broken, and then, and then, or, you know, you're too much, or you're too little, or you're, you're this, or you're that, or you're a, whatever, like, you know, all the labels that we, we put them on ourselves, they're put on us, you know, whatever, plenty of sources of those really hard calcified layers. And what we're trying to do in this going in period is we're trying to shift the center of gravity from all of those old cruddy layers to this sort of like, oh, this is who I am. This is who I am. I, you know, and this like inherent goodness, this inherent like curiosity, this inherent newness, freshness, where do I begin this? Been there, done that with the other stuff. And the layers, the oyster layers can be great. Oh my God, you can have a million metals and a million great things, but they're still kind of oyster layers. They're these outside layers of things that you've done or things that you've thought or voices that you've listened to. And what you're really doing is getting down to that, that essence of who you are. And in order to do that, it takes time. It takes the ability to listen. I like to think about it as this very sort of active mindfulness. We talked about this, like mindfulness is great, right? I was content director of mindful.org, mindful magazine, and I love mindfulness, but I think it takes you to a place where it's quiet because you're kind of like dismissing your thoughts and you're coming back to your breath. But I think that you can go even deeper. You can actually look at your thoughts and say, well, well, who am I? Let me see what I've been. Who, why did I make these decisions? What was driving me at the time? And, you know, a lot of us have old stuff, like old bad things that have happened to us, which have created more calcified, hard layers. So letting go of those, dissolving those, allowing yourself to see yourself is this wonderful kind of period. And this is like the perfect time to do this. Do you really want to go through the second half of your life dragging around all these old, it's like Jacob Marley, right? With the chains, I hate these chains through my life. I mean, seriously, you want to go like through your second half of your life dragging your chains? No, I, I don't. So anyway, so it's, if you go in and you allow, I have the soul practice that 
I've sort of created. And it really helps because otherwise you're like, well, what? I go in, what? Like, what do I do? It's like, I feel like you, you need like a process or a guide and with a plan, you need something in there saying, well, try this. And then of course, adapt it. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, no worries. But for me, the soul practice is soul is sit, settle and sift. So just start sifting through your thoughts. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What's coming up for me today? You know, and it may just be like, hey, yesterday, somebody said something that pissed me off. Or it may be like, let me really look at that ex-husband of mine. You know, let me really look at that relationship. Why did I enter into that relationship? And it's really this opportunity to see yourself, get to know yourself. It's like lifting the lid on the laundry and saying, oh, this is all this stuff I'm still carrying around. So S, sit, settle, and sift. O, open-hearted awareness. What am I feeling? Because sometimes when we bring up memories, thoughts, feelings from the past, it takes up a physical resonance in us, right? So sometimes we've had bad experiences and it's like, you can feel it. When you start thinking about something like that was maybe chate that happened to you and your heart starts to, like it's physically in there and allowing it to come up, allowing yourself to see it, working with a therapist, releasing it, seeing it from a new perspective, is so freeing and it takes time. So, so, you know, S O open-hearted awareness, you is leaning in for understanding with curiosity and compassion, you know, and in the privacy of your own mind, it's not saying, well, what, you know, what did I do that for? It's having that kindness. And suddenly you start to hear that voice, even that voice, that little mimicky sound of that voice that I just made, that was my mother, you know, and, you know, who still rattles around up there and you want to be able to identify it and let it go. So, and then L is like leaning in with like love, listening, like listening and allowing yourself to love yourself. And that's, that's kind of going in. And then I don't know what our time is here. Cause I could keep going. The second step is going up and that's opening yourself to this possibility that there is a higher power. You know, and you might think, well, that's God or the universe or source. Sometimes I like to just be super practical about it and think about this higher power as like a source, like the sun, right? So the sun is this ever-present source that energizes. Like if you think about the leaf of a plant, right? The leaf of a plant like unfolds for morning glories, unfold, and they kind of have their leaves. And then the, the sun you know, energizes photosynthesis, right? Energizes, I think, is it the electrons? I, there's some word for it. I, I can check that. But energizes some part of the cell, which this is the miracle, crazy miracle, biology of belief. It's actually really true. It energizes this part of the cell, which then instantly through, who knows, some sort of quantum physics, figures out what part of the plant needs that energy the most. And that is where the energy goes for the plant that day. So if you think about yourself as opening up to this spiritual photosynthesis source that is like giving you love, giving you that nutrition, giving you that encouragement, giving you that same kind of energized warmth and just filling you up. Like for many of us who've been kind of grew up in traumatized backgrounds, we don't have a sense of love. You know, you don't kind of look back and say, oh, gosh, I was so loved and my parents loved me. I'm drenched in family love. Some people grow up without that. And so opening up to a source is a really healing process. So go in, go up, opening yourself up to that. And then again, I could stay here on this topic forever. That's where you start to hear the whispers and the nudges and the openness to the possibility you know, so you're not just repeating, oh, this is my old sort of cruddy layers for my oyster telling me now it's time to do this. It's like when you start to let go of those old oyster shells, you then really open yourself up to what's alive for me now. Like what's fresh for me now, you know? And then the Thank last you. one is. Oh, yeah, please do. I was just going to say, please tell us the last one. We have all the time in the world for you. Go okay, ahead. all right. Okay, so the last one is the third step. So it's go in, go up, which is opening yourself up. 
right? And it's taking a bigger perspective, a higher perspective, and it's allowing yourself to be fueled with this, like, I think of it as love. Again, it's, you know, it's, you can envision it as the, as the power of the sun, which like literally fuels all of these gorgeous plants that we're surrounded by. And the third, when you start, because if you stay here, if you do this process, go in and you allow all this sort of crud to go, and it's, it's, you know, you start to open yourself up to, well, these new kind of ideas, these new whispers, these new thoughts, these new ideas. And over time, you start to feel them sort of calling to you repeatedly. And, you know, one day it might be, oh, I have this fantasy. I want to do this. And the next day you might have a completely different fantasy. Oh, I think this sounds really good. Or, oh, I've always thought about that. Or, oh, you know, little buzzy thing like, hey, I heard somebody was doing something and it kind of something in me. Over time, when you do this practice for a while, you start to feel, oh, oh, that's what I'm drawn to. That's feeling like it. And then as you close the practice, you become aware of, okay, you know, maybe what did, what came up? And it's really good to write this stuff down. So you're really getting it up and out of your body. And then you start to think, oh, what was that nudge? What was that whisper? What was that message? What was that feeling that came up for me? And you act on it. You do something. And it can be an absolutely teeny tiny micro step. Maybe it's just writing it down. Oh, today I thought, huh, I heard that word pilgrimage, or I saw that piece of direct mail come into my, my inbox, or I thought, oh, huh, I read it. Let me just see. Let me remember that. I paid attention to that. What was it that captivated me? Let me go back to that. And you simply start. Oftentimes these are itty bitty, the tiniest little micro steps. And you just start to do something. Like just maybe write it down or you catch into it. And you just sort of say, well, let me write that down. Let me think about that. Let me just note that. Let me take a tiny step. I remember I was living on a 10 acre farm out in Neutropoli and I'd gotten downsized and it was a freaking disaster as I sort of told you. And I was like, oh, I could move back to Washington and get a new job. Um, but it was more bigness, right? Like more bigness. And I was going to be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm managing all these things. I'm spread out. And the strangest impulse came over me. It was like, you're too horizontal. You need to be vertical. And I was like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? And I had to think on that for a few days. And I was like, I came to realize, I think it, what it meant was I was literally too horizontal. I was on a 10 acre farm. I was living, driving like crazy to get my kids into school and to this and da, da, da. And I was traveling down to Washington, DC as a consultant. And it was like, what if I just went vertical? What if I just got a smaller place? I focused more on what is really important to me. And, you know, Gandhi talks about happy, happiness is when what we think, say, and do are in harmony. And it was like, I was all over the map. I was like, oh, I'm a consultant. Hey, let me just like be all happy hat with this. And, you know, like I was literally all over the map. And this was about, you know, becoming more vertical, becoming more aligned, becoming more like in tune with myself. So, you know, my I was terrified, like, oh, my God, how do you begin to pack up this massive property and everything. It took me all the courage in the world. That lady who does that one, what did Mel Robbins or something? Five, four, three, two, one, bang. I was like, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google real estate agents in my area. And that was like my micro step for the day. And I just Googled, you know what I mean? And then, and I have this thing, it's called my dream jar. And every time I take an itty bitty little teeny micro step, I put a teeny weeny little piece of paper in and it's just, it's like a, my little visual measure that says, yes, I'm taking a micro step. I'm concretizing it. And, you know, we can talk ad nauseum, like there's all sorts of thoughts about energizing that. Or if you read Rumi, what you seek is seeking you. So when you start to sort of say, oh, this is what's calling to me. You're seeking that. And it is also seeking you. And the more you put energy into it, and take a micro step and another micro step and another micro step. You're moving yourself closer towards that new opportunity. And it may be completely like interfaith minister. Are you kidding? Like, seriously, me crazy. But it, it, it again came to me in this thought. I was like, what am I going to do next? Like, like, and it was like, oh, interfaith, like I could be a minister. 
it was like this crazy thought that popped into my head. And I was like, well, that's kind of crazy. But then as I, I was, I was, like, it was, I was sitting there and I was like, well, huh, I like to think, I like to talk, I like to help people. I like to huh, kind of make sense. Hmm, wow. And then I started Googling, where could I go to school? And it was like, oh my God, there's a school, like there's a seminary and I could go. And it just, it was like the craziest thing. So you know, it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm going to quit my job and become a minister. It was like a little teeny weeny itty bitty step at a time that felt like, oh, oh, I think I will do that. I'll give that a try. And it's again, it's like playing Marco Polo. Like, oh, does that feel more right? Or does, am I getting warmer? Am I getting cooler? So that is the way I have found, because this is new territory and this is you're navigating and stumbling and wondering and the old way of, oh, I'm going to go do that doesn't really apply. And last thing I'll say, and then I, I've been on a streak, I'm sorry, um, is this process of revelation, which is like, I know, like a heavily Judeo-Christian word, so forgive me. But what's really interesting is the idea of something being revealed a bit and a bit and a bit. And that's the realm you're in, in this second half of life is trusting that the next breadcrumb will appear and the next breadcrumb will appear that you don't get the whole enchilada, you know, you get a little bit and then you'd say, oh, this feels more right. So again, I think for your audience that's highly attuned to what is my body doing today? How am I feeling today? What's going on with me today? How did I perform today? Like they have the right skills for this new sort of way to navigate. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support, and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the Otter is stuffed with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and Otter has taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. I love that you sort of brought that you know, around full circle to to where we started with the audience and what is going on. Because a lot of what you're talking about, um, you know, has come up on the show in other ways. Like, I guess what I want to say is, is that the benefit of this practice beyond the obvious is you also, it's very liberating in many ways. And it also turns the stress down on you. Like we have so much stress because we're, because we're we're fighting, you know, there's so much resistance. And yeah. by going through this, I mean, I'm so relaxed listening to you. And when you when you find that path, and when you listen, and you go through this, like, everything gets better, you have more energy for your training, you have more energy for your pursuits, you have less stress, which means less symptomology that's been proven, you know, scientifically in randomized controlled trials, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's it's such a and that's why, you know, when when we when we first started talking, you know, and you're like, I'd like to 
talk to you about what I'm doing. And I was like, yes, I, I 100% I see a fit for this show and this audience because this these issues belie they're an undercurrent in all of us. And sometimes they pull us under, you know, and this is talking about like letting us free. And I really love that. I love that too. And I love that sense of liberation. And and that is such a beautiful word because, you know, I think it's, it's the Hindu word is moksha and it's, it is, it's liberation and it's lightness. And that's what you're going for, right? So you've spent the first half of your acquiring all these things, which you need to the, the prestige and the awards and the job and the family and the furniture and the patio set, all of that stuff is like absolutely essential. That is part of, that is part of why we're here. And now it's like this blossoming, this further sort of beauty is coming forth. And it's it's a very different sort of mechanism. It's now coming internally, but it's just as gorgeous. And I feel like your audience, because they are achievement oriented, in some ways they want to be like their best. They are, these are the perfect people to know that this landscape really is shifting and that this really does require a new skill set. And that it's like this entirely new opportunity that's unfolding. Because but I think if you if you unless you know that, it's just it's it is extremely frustrating. You know, it's extremely frustrating. And I think the other thing to know is that you just get a breadcrumb at a time. You know, and part of that is trusting this process. And I've always heard people, oh, trust the process. And you're like, well, yeah, yeah, I'll trust the process when I see it works, you know, or I'll trust the process when I know what the whole process is. And it's very humbling. It's very humbling. And I think that's why a lot of us arrive here with this sense of like, well, I've tried everything else. And I'm, I, that, you know, those tears that you described on that, on that hill as you're biking up and you you couldn't do it as fast as you could. And it's like, there's a, there's a very necessary humility. And it's the word hummus actually comes from the earth. There's an earthness to this, a groundedness because you have, it's like, a, there's a listening quality and there's like, you, you know, you're not going to get there by being all like high and mighty about it. In fact, that like me, you're going to be this big, big old tree that fell down in the forest. And it's like, well, get comfortable because, because that's, that's exactly where you need to be is in this sort of humbled, you know, what, what, you know, like yard sale method, like you've arrived, you know, congratulations. You're a complete mess. Yay. <laughs> Let the work now, begin. Now the work begins. Right? <laughs> You're in the absolute right place. Yay. Um, but it's it's also really gratifying, you know. It's also really, really, really gratifying and weird and bizarre and lovely and and you know. But you know, yeah. And 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 then you start saying like weird things and and like kind of talking gibberish and you know like like me, um, you know. Like, but seriously, you're in good company. You have to listen to this David White Midlife and the Great Unknown because he just oh my god with that Irish accent he just talks and you're like oh. Oh, yes, that's what I feel like. Oh, yes. You know, anyways, it's all it's all good. It's all good. But I, I, honestly, I feel like we don't talk about it enough. And we think that like, you know, that there's a pill that's going to fix it or, you know, like we get our hormones back under control. And I mean, all that stuff is necessary. We want our hormones to be good and we want to do strength training and we want all that stuff. Um, but it's like you don't want to miss that this is actually I don't know if I'm going to call it the fun part. But there's actually big prizes behind, you know, door number two, which looks like a shit show. You know, there really are. So, you know, all good. I'm going to leave it right there because I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that I've not said it that way, but I like I like that. I like saying it that way. Thank you. Um, thank you. I, I don't even know what else to say, but thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I love this. I, I feel like I talked your ear off, but you've given me such an opportunity. I hold all this stuff inside and it's like, whoosh, it feels so good to let it out. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. I really do. Well, that's our show. Come on back next week when I sit down with Meredith Root one of the founders of Tactic Functional Fitness and Tactic Functional Nutrition, where, along with her partner, Alex 
Parker, they have amassed a huge online following and are really pushing back on some of the destructive narratives that keep women from reaching their full potential. This was a great one. So come on back for that. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.